Hey there, welcome to this bonus episode of Rethinking Wellness. I'm Christy, and today I'm experimenting with doing an audio version of my biweekly Q&A newsletter, which is also out today on Substack. My answer to the first question here is available to everyone, which is about viral wellness misinformation and how to handle it when you come across it. And then there's a bonus one for paid subscribers about whether seed oils and polyunsaturated fatty acids are as bad for you as some online sources claim. To hear the second one, you can subscribe at rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Paid subscribers also get great perks like early access to every episode, bonus episodes with our guests, commenting privileges, and subscriber-only threads where you can connect with other listeners, bonus Q&As like this one, which are usually just available in written form, but I'm going to try to start adding more audio versions too going forward, and lots more. Just go to rethinkingwellness.substack.com to sign up. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. And if you're already a paid subscriber, thank you so much to your support. It really means the world to me. Before I jump into answering the questions, just my quick disclaimer that these answers are for informational and educational purposes only, aren't a substitute for medical or mental health advice, and don't constitute a provider-patient relationship. Although I am a registered dietitian, I'm not your dietitian, unless you happen to be one of my one-on-one clients, in which case, hi, thanks for listening. But even then, this podcast is not a session. So with that, let's go to the first question. This one is actually from a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and earlier this week, she asked me to weigh in on an influencer making some really bizarre and baseless claims that people could fix their eyesight by, among other things, using essential oils, which the influencer conveniently sells as a rep for an MLM. The reporter used some of my quotes in her piece, which I'll link to in the show notes for this episode, which is really the uh, newsletter version of this episode. And it's worth reading the piece in its entirety if you're curious about the truly weird and out there stuff some wellness influencers are doing. But I also want to share some of my thoughts that didn't make it into the article with the hope that they might help you respond the next time you encounter viral wellness misinformation out in the wild. Of course, it goes without saying that I don't think there's any merit to this influencer's claims or to any of the similarly strange wellness trends I've been asked to comment on over the years. But I also hesitate to comment on the specifics with stories like this because responding to and reporting on bizarre social media claims only tends to amplify them. Social algorithms reward engagement, which includes likes, clicks, and shares, but also angry comments and quote tweets and stitches on TikTok criticizing the original poster. And it just so happens that types of content that drive the most engagement tend to involve elements of novelty, controversy, and moral outrage. And misinformation often hits all of those notes, which is why we see so many influencers going viral with totally out there and non-evidence-based claims about health and wellness. Many viewers embrace those claims for sure, but many others find them outrageous and express their anger and disgust in hate posts, which then spreads the misinformation to their own audience in the process. And even traditional media outlets calling out the BS can sometimes serve to increase its reach, which is why I sort of hesitate to comment on the specifics and stories like that. So as a general principle, I think when you see an influencer making claims that seem to turn conventional scientific and medical wisdom on its head, it's a good idea to be very, very skeptical. If they're making these claims on social media, and especially if they're young and conventionally attractive, they're probably going to get some traction and they may go viral, but that doesn't mean what they're saying is valid. 
often it means the opposite and that the influencer knows how to game the algorithm, whether they're doing it consciously or not. I think we'd all do well to start treating virality as a red flag when it comes to health and wellness claims. I know there's a temptation when you see blatant misinformation on social media to repost and critique it or to flood the poster with angry comments and DMs, but I think it's important to resist that urge because that actually tends to make the dubious content spread further by giving it more algorithmic juice. So instead, you might consider stepping back from social media, which I know is hard, and I've talked about it on this podcast about, you know, what a process it is to untangle yourself from social media. I also have some guests coming up that are going to be talking about that. But I think it's really helpful to take a step back to not spread this kind of misinformation. It's also helpful not to turn to social platforms for health and wellness information in the first place and to learn how to quickly move on from dubious claims rather than getting sucked in and spending time unpacking them. And I find the SIFT method really helpful for this, which I think I've spoken about here before. I've definitely talked about in my newsletter and I have a whole section on it in my book, The Wellness Trap. Um, And we're also going to discuss SIFT in more detail in my answer to the second question in just a minute. Now, look, I know that the pull to wade into specifics can be really strong, right? The human brain loves a good story. It is really wild, some of the things these influencers are saying and doing, and I think it's only natural for people to think, oh my God, is this really true? Like, what does the science actually say? What does an expert say? And sort of pitting people against one another. But I think that if we're really looking to end misinformation, right, to stop the spread of misinformation and make cultural change and improve people's access to good information and sort of reduce the virality of low-quality information and misinformation, I think we can maybe use these moments as a reminder to resist giving our attention to the latest viral wellness trend, right? We can feel the pull. We can feel the urge to dive into the specifics and instead try to turn our attention towards things that matter more to us and try to remember that, you know, we're kind of doing our part to stop the spread of misinformation if we don't wade in so much to these stories. So thanks to the reporter who asked this question. And by the way, I know she's just doing her job because media outlets have to jump on this kind of stuff too because of the incentives of basically that social media have created to make legacy media outlet stories go viral in the same way because they're also part of the same attention economy and getting their ad revenue from our eyeballs and clicks and shares. And social media has decimated the ad revenue that's available to legacy media outlets as well. So, you know, again, it's really complicated, right? And I'm grateful to this reporter for asking me my thoughts and giving me the opportunity to share. And I'm grateful to you for listening. Thanks to everyone who is a free subscriber for listening to this first question. Um, Paid subscribers can now stick around to hear my answer to the bonus question about seed oils. And everyone can write in for a chance to have your questions answered in an upcoming newsletter or episode by going to christyharrison.com slash questions. That's christyharrison.com slash questions. So I'm going to read the second question here before I sign off for the the free subscribers. And speaking of specifics, uh, the second question contains the name of a blog that promotes misinformation about seed oils while seeming to be science-based. And I debated cutting out the name, but I think in this case, it's actually worth leaving it in to help illustrate an essential step in the SIFT process. I did edit the question for length and to remove some unnecessary details. So here it is. 
The person writes, Hi, Christy. Over the past few years, I've read a lot of scientific-based content about how an excess of polyunsaturated fatty acids, or PUFA, found in industrial seed oils such as canola or sunflower oil, can harm our health. Specifically, there is a science-based blog called Fire in a Bottle, putting forward the theory that an excess of PUFA has metabolic effects that contribute to long-term health issues. Aside from the anti-processed food bias and anti-fat bias, which helps the anti-seed oil conversation to gain popularity, I can't help feeling convinced that to some extent there is some truth in the claims that these polyunsaturated fatty acids are not the best choices for us to use if we can avoid them. I've been using olive oil, butter, and other fats like tallow. This hasn't been addressed adequately elsewhere as people focus on side issues like nuts and seeds are nutritious or some essential fatty acids happen to be polyunsaturated, both of which are true but which don't address the widespread usage of canola and sunflower oil in modern cooking and ingredients. Would really appreciate your thoughts. Jenny. You've been listening to a free preview of this episode. To hear the rest and get tons more bonus content, become a paid subscriber by going to rethinkingwellness.substack.com. That's rethinkingwellness.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks.